right. It is 936. Joining us now for our Master Gardener segment, Gardening with Barb and Karen, is our friend, Master Gardener Barb Lampson. Hey, good morning, Barb. Hey, Karen. What a beautiful morning it is, It's too. October. It's going to be 85. It's gorgeous. I was out last night working in the gardens out by the lake. I saw the uh, farmer's working in the bean fields till dark but then their lights came on and yes. oh my goodness and the sun last night was so beautiful in fact they um posted a picture i took of the the uh combine in the sunset on KEYC's weather section. So I thought that was kind of fun. Well, you know, Karen, it's interesting that you were doing that because I was at Lake Jefferson again last night on Big Jeff Fishing. And when we go out, we go uh, out around uh, Lake Washington and through this winding highway too. So well, yeah, yeah, so that's right past where you, where we live. Yeah, yes, exactly. Our, our and, and I saw the combines in the field and it was just it was almost magical and I was looking at this huge field and there were two combines working and the one had just come up to this big semi truck and I mean semi truck and he was dumping beans and then there was another pickup out there there were five vehicles in that field working and I thought you know uh, this, the, you know, when you when the beans are ready, you go. You have to get out there. That's that's exactly right. And then I read in the free press this morning about how um, the beans are pretty much about ninety percent uh, completely harvested. Well, you know, we've had a dry <clears throat> stretch for quite a yeah. while now, so I think that's. I mean, it's good for the farmers that they can harvest. Of course, it's bad for the the gardens because I know I've been watering things. I have too. It's it is bone dry, but they said that the farmers will save a lot of money when they don't have to dry things and now they've started on the corn as a matter of fact there were some people that were harvesting corn last night I saw the most gorgeous field that had been harvested and the only thing left on the ground was you know I I guess they get chopped the stalks while they were chopped up so they weren't sticking out it was all uniform and it looked like a carpet and it was um this um, caramel color with more yellow than caramel. Just the whole thing. Beautiful. I mean, not a weed, nothing. Everything is so uniform. It's It was amazing. Then we went on to the lake and I fished. And Did you catch lo- anything? Yes. As a matter of fact, we were fishing for crappies again last night. And we went to the south shore because on the north side, the wind was blowing and there were waves. And it was like glass. And mm-hmm. I want to tell you what I saw. It was so amazing. The, first of all, the docks and the boat lifts are in. So they don't interrupt the beauty of uh, seeing the water and the trees how they come together and the sun was shining off right down on the water and the cottonwoods that are very yellow now they were reflecting down in the water and that was yellow and then there were the maples and they were bright orange and that was that color was on the water every once in a while there'd be a little ripple it was like 3d now i know some people well, it was 3d wasn't it I, well it absolutely was all those different <laughs> dimensions but it just came right out at you now i know some people can't look at moving water it makes them true wheezy or yeah nauseous but, boy i think i have viking blood on me in me uh, when I'm in the water I am so at home and I just love it so much but it was just fantastic and then at about 6 30 the sun came down and it was bright orange 
and fantastic. I was talking to some other people out at the lake when we were bringing in our boat, and they said, you know, you can't beat it. It was just a perfect night. You just, to be on the water, uh, just seeing all that color and that tranquility that comes from that, uh, just just really great. So, so I'd have to say between the beautiful fall and the farmers doing so, uh, their crops doing so well, that really is the good news. I also heard on the... Um, on the news about farming that the Chinese have come back in and they're buying soybeans again. So the prices are, are looking better than what they had. The yields are good and uh, that makes us all well, happy. Well, it's always good to have some, some good news. Isn't, isn't it though? It's it's great. I mean, it, they needed, uh, I'm sure for them it, it's uh, taken a lot of a weight off their shoulder because when you put in those crops you know it's you well, just I, my dad always said you know farming is a gamble because you you spend all this money up front and you don't know what you're going to get in the end yeah that's right and, and it's a lot take, of work to it <laughs> and, and i've never understood this and i've said this before you take your product to market and they give you whatever they want what you get Th- that's so. that's what i don't like hey we had a couple of questions this week okay um, number one we had a question about um about garlic and uh, time is now for garlic yes but they wanted to know how to deep, deep to plant it well when you see these little garlic cloves you think well you know that should be right up close but you put them down about four inches which so, seems pretty deep for such little cloves it does seem but that's that's what you're going to do these uh and then and then you put them about four inches apart so you're going to save that space you need all of that space you really do and of course if you have incorporated a bunch of uh organic matter into your soil that's going to be great now i see my garlic that i planted earlier that's up out at the lake and i'm very very happy well now i planted garlic last year and it grew all year this year and i didn't look at it so um, then it all died down and now it's growing back again so what should i do so i actually did dig it up because we're going to be putting a fence out by that garden and it was in the way so I dug it up and there's all these little cloves but they're all have little sprouts so now should I not use that I should just stick them back in the ground back in the ground okay oh my goodness they are the most uh, forgiving plant I know but so I can't use any of those because they have the green sticking up a little you use oh you can you you want it you want to I want to know if I can well because I've already dug them up right oh sure because and then I'm like go back in the ground too if they've just if they've just sprouted they just got like about half inch to an inch little green so yeah. I can still use them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, of course, when I planted them, they were just a little clove, and now sure. they're multi-cloved. Sure. And I dug them up, and I am and I thought, well, now can I use these because they have the green thing sticking up? I can't. Sure. And if you, if you have so many that you have I do. to store them, then you want to dry them off really well. Well, I can and, just stick them back in the ground, too, though, and grow some can, new ones. You can do that and grow them, yes, and they'll come up next year. So you have two choices with that. That's, that's really a good deal. And uh, we had a, a call from uh, Lisur about Peruvian daffodils. Um, and, you know, a Peruvian daffodil is not, to be confused, with the regular spring planting daffodil that we plant out and we leave it out. Peruvian daffodils have to be dug and brought now, they in. they aren't the usual happy sunny yellow ones we see no no not at all they're not that one at all it's different totally different and why they're called a daffodil i don't know because even the bloom is different and they're white so 
um, you have to dig them and be very careful. Use a spading fork or something so you don't nick the bulb itself. The bulb is usually pretty good size. Are bulbs similar to a regular daffodil? They're oh. actually or similar more like to a tulip. an amaryllis. Oh, okay. They're so bigger pretty big. and plumper, sort of in between there. And, um, and they're very fragrant, I understand. Oh, they're extremely so fragrant. So that's why... As very a, different than daffodils. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, um, once you store them, you don't. You can store them just in uh, in peat moss or anything like that. Put them into a container and then watch them. I've had great luck. And they're hardy too. Here uh, too. Oh yeah, they they start multiplying so fast that that you'll be able to give them away to people. Why don't we hear very much about them? Because I mean, I don't see them sold in. You know, when you see all the bulbs, the tulips, and the daffodils, I, right. I don't really ever see the Peruvian daffodils, and they're more exotic looking. I'm looking yeah. at a picture I just brought up But you up know, here. they're not, you wouldn't see them in the fall. You would see them in the spring. Right, so you plant them now. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You don't plant them now? No, you don't plant them now, Karen. Oh. You dig them now from this summer. These are these are not oh, hardy to so be in the ground. Hard. Okay, gotcha. Right, right. Thank so, you. So when you're buying daffodils and things like that, you won't see them now. They're a spring thing that you would see. And I've really never seen them offered in stores in the spring either. Actually, uh, I haven't either, no. I, uh, I've ordered mine through seed catalogs. Okay. Yeah. And and once you get them started, you know, they'll just continue to grow. I've actually had some that once they're done resting in the winter, they will put up a flower spike. And all you have to do is bring that up. And uh, you can use a series of rocks and some waters. You have to have something to hold it in place, to hold it up out of the water. And, and it will... That stalk will that flower stalk will continue to come up and and bloom for you and then put it out in the spring uh, uh, and it'll just continue to grow and to store enough energy for the next bloom. But so after you dig your Peruvian daffodil, just like anything else, um, it needs hardening off. You need to uh, uh, let it dry and take off the top to about. Oh, I would say four inches or so. Okay. So and it's similar to what you do to the the cannas yes, and the yes. other bulbs we dig this that fall. That part is similar, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then if you're not sure of what it looks like, be sure and mark the container that you put in there, what it is, because after a winter, sometimes, especially if you're older, you start forgetting <laughs> what is what, and then you think, oh, well, where should this go? So, so that's the answer for that. And then I went out on a little visit to check on a lawn, and there was one spot in the lawn where there was a perfect dead circle, and you could just lift up the t the uh, grass. So it was almost like a little manhole made of grass. Right. And guess what it was? Uh, Japanese beetles. Yeah. Oh, because the, the grubs eat the, yeah, the yeah. roots of the grass. There yeah. wasn't. And it was like when you lifted up this plot of grass, it was absolutely sheared off. There was nothing left on there. So that's Japanese beetles are still active and uh um, and they're invasive, and you know we keep hearing about more and more invasive things, and it just breaks my heart. You know yes. we've got the, I'm I'm haven't seen any lily beetles, but that's the one that scares me because just this a uh, few days ago, uh, Grant, my son who was breeding Asiatic lilies, we planted um, hundreds literally of yes. these new baby lilies that we grew from seed. Um, the seeds grew from January and March of this year, and we've put them out in the the garden now. And, you know, if you get those uh, lily beetles, they'll they'll basically decimate it. And we don't have them yet, so I'm just hoping that 
it isn't another year of a uh, disappointment. <laughs> what are, what are they suggesting suggesting to do for the lily beetles? They really don't have anything yet. Nothing yet. No, wow. I mean that's the problem. So you just look for them. You look and, for and them. It yeah. Looks is it is that the one that's bright red? Oh, the lily beetle. I think it is red. Yeah, and it can be confused with other things. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is the thing. We've had so many things. Yeah, to it's look bright. For. It is bright red. Yeah, right. Um, and it's it's yeah it it can really it eats the stems the leaves the buds the flowers I mean just pretty much and where did they find that that was that the one in uh, central Minnesota someplace I you know I forgot I I but it was it yet. was found in Minnesota I think yeah yeah right right and then you know we we also got that uh, bulletin about the milkweed that that this is st paul it was discovered in st paul st paul yeah um okay. just of this july it's discovered an unusual insect on an asiatic lily and reported it to the department of agriculture so and how do you get rid of them well you have to check your your plants and and scrape off the larva remove the eggs uh so it's kind of uh, one of those things where you have to uh, really manually do it um, there's a couple organic sprays that are relatively effective but really it's one of those now that um still is so new that we don't have a lot of really effective things to do so and we also got the bulletin about the 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 new milkweed that's a climber yeah it's a new it's a new variety of milkweed but it's a viney milkweed and right. it's a new invasive that's coming that's they've the discovered. one that was in uh, stearns county yeah Wasn't up by st cloud yeah up in that area and so that's another thing uh, kind of like buckthorn, it's one of those things, if you see it, get rid of it as soon as you can. And sure. uh, I would go online. It's not, you know, milkweeds generally have a look that we know. I mean, yes. you see the common milkweed, you pretty much know what it looks like. But the viney ones, they're kind of just climbers, and yeah. I've never seen them before. So I wonder if they have, you know, all the milkweeds have that sticky white milky stuff yeah, yeah stuff i wonder if they have that if you break it if you snap it i don't know yeah it's interesting it's an interesting time to be a gardener that's for sure but you know what um there are so many beautiful positive things that happen too i absolutely love my new england asters and they are blooming now and and oh it, purples yes. and pinks and the the native ones are a lighter purple and they're blooming and you know we can just neglect them i brought some in today for you karen oh and it's beautiful it's it's so there's some purple asters some pink asters and then it looks like you've got some mums in there as well i do and and you know the only mums i grow are the ones that are introduced from the Uni- university of minnesota this was and I, I mentioned this before, a daisy type of, of flower. It has red petals and there's double layer and it has a yellow center. It was called the My Favorite Series. It was the whole From University series of Minnesota. Okay. And, and this one happens to be autumn red. And, and it definitely looks like autumn. And they have discontinued it. So, well, there must have been some reason that it didn't they perform it as didn't, good as they wanted. That's what they said. They didn't. It was supposed to grow really, really tall and big, but you know what? Um, it does grow. It it has nice long stems on it. So I don't know how much taller it could possibly be. I think it's I think it's great just the way it is. I love it. I love it. So well, uh, and now that's the thing. When you see a lot of purple flowers now, they're just very delicate little flowers, but they're they make an impact because there are so many of them on one 
one area, but they're asters. And um, that's one of the things that you'll see deep into the fall that lasts for a while because so many flowers are, a lot of them are becoming done now. Now the pink one, I see you have this beautiful pink. That must be a, a cultivar because that it's it's a New England aster as well. So is it's, it a is it a it's not a native then? The, no, the pink. No, these aren't. But the the ones that we see in the ditches are purple. Are, they're it, the yeah. They're they are. They have a much smaller flower on them, uh, and this uh, uh, both the pink and the purple have uh, because I'll let them go to seed, and especially up at Good Council, the variation from plant to plant is really stunning, especially in the purple. I've got dark purple, or I guess this is more than lavender. It's more of a grape, I would call it. I've got grape. I've got um, more of a mauvey color, and then um, uh, a darker purple. So they have that variation. And one has um, an orange center, whereas the other one's are yellowish yellowish um kind of caramel colored yeah you know now when you see the ass you see tons and tons or mums i'm sorry tons and tons of mums are on sale now at stores and they're really pretty cheap and people buy them and i see online i'm in a gardening um online gardening group and a lot of people say well will this come back next year and how how can i keep this going all all winter long how can you keep the flowers and i want to say just throw it out because a lot of these are what we consider just annuals what would you tell them then i mean can you can you keep them going i don't know how long and and is it worth bringing them in and overwintering them no because to get them to bloom again is very very difficult and uh, maybe you'd get them to grow one winter and then not again so uh we can't bring um, garden plants in very successfully because it's so dry in our homes and like mums that's I mean they're designed to grow outside they need the humidity they need uh, they need the good air circulation too so it's really you could if you're one of those people who's just uh, I got to do that I got to do that well then go ahead and do that but if you like growing plants for your home you know go to the florist and get buy the something. hardy ones yeah well get something that's a uh, uh, most of the tropicals you know like your um, I have streptocarpus and uh, gloxinia and African violet they're all in the same uh, uh, plant family they're um, uh, Jesnerads, and and they are just great. They make great house plants. They don't take as much sun. They don't take as much humidity. The only thing is, they have sort of like a hairy leaf, and to clean that, because things do get dusty in that, you have to take a paintbrush and finally go over them. And the other thing is, you don't plant them in a clay pot because these leaves will hang over or touch the sides, and because the leaves are so tender. They that you'll you'll bruise them and then they'll really? start dying. Oh. So what I do with my clay pots that I'm going to use, I use duct tape and I go all the way around with duct tape. And that helps. Lap it over on both sides. Okay. Yeah, it makes this nice smooth surface. You can imagine something that's on a porous surface. Clay is going to be you know, very rough compared to something that's on duct tape. That's okay. The surface of that is nice and smooth. Or just use a plastic pot or a, pours, or a glass glazed pot. That would work, too, for you. That's a so, good tip. That's a good tip. I hadn't yeah. heard about that before. Yeah, yeah. So I just got a note from, uh, maybe you haven't seen it yet, but uh, I see there's a note about... Um, 
mustard, the the um, garlic mustard. I see they're having a session coming up about that. But garlic mustard is an issue that is uh, become a big problem in our areas. And uh, I don't know if now is the time you need to pull them before they go to seed or. Uh, you know, I we when I lived up north in northern Minnesota, we grew flax and oats and things like that. And it was always um, trying to get rid of the mustard that would come in our flax and oat fields. That was a real, real problem. And I've seen it in ditches now, too, where it's come back. I wonder if it hasn't been introduced in... Um, in grass seeds and maybe things, the seeds, the things that we uh, plant our ditches with, and that's how it's gotten in. And, you know, they make those seed pods, and the birds get that stuff, and the birds just, they're all over, you know, they're pooping. <laughs> and, and, you know, because I, uh, garlic mustard has the potential to form dense stands that chokes out basically the native plants in the understory. So now is a good time to also, when you look in your, your woods, Barb, if you yep. see a lot of green in the fall still in the woods, it's probably buckthorn. Oh, yes. And you know what? This bed that I'm renovating in my yard, I'm very diligent about rooting out buckthorn. But when I got down on my hands and knees and I was taking out ferns I found little seedlings of buckthorns and the thing that's so interesting about that is how does it get going underneath these dense ferns you know you would think but but it does it has this will to survive and it must just uh, so sometimes uh, when you renovate a, a perennial garden like that and uh, you might find that there are some surprises in there. You've got uh, weeds that you never thought you had before. They are saying that now is a good time to look for those noxious and invasive plants in the fall that are damaging our, our forests. So the Minnesota Department of you know, agriculture has pictures and things you can see. Sure. But yeah, if you're, and I agree with those little, the um, little buckthorns when the little trees come up. Yeah. They're just little, little things and, and so they can grow so fast and, and get in there. So those are really important things now because you as a, a landowner are responsible for keeping those things. Oh, sure. And you, rid of them. and you know, um, I noticed when we've been out to different lakes this summer, mm-hmm. all of them have the, um, the posting out there about the uh, Eurasian. Um, milfoil? Yeah, milfoil. Uh, check your boat. You know, um, whether you're a gardener or a farmer or uh, you love being on the lakes, you know, there's always, you, you have to play your part. You have to be responsible. You can't expect that somebody else is going to do this for you. Absolutely. And now is the time that a lot of them are drying and going to go to seed. So make sure you get them out before they are going to seed. And that's a key. So I've been picking things that are that I know are weeds that are things right. that I don't want. So I actually put them in a garbage bag and dispose of them because I don't want to put them in my compost pile no. or just put them in a ditch or something because they're going to spread. So just some things to keep in mind that you can look for now that it's sure. fall and are able to see. And, and sometimes you have a plant that's just growing too big. I have an aruncus and that's uh, that's actually a perennial. It acts like a shrub, but it's a plant, and it's deciduous. It loses its leaves, and it gets plumes on it. It had gotten so big that it was shadowing out my uh, global 
arborvitae. And this arborvitae is very special because I raised it from a seed. Oh, wow. And so I can't move that because it's too big. So I had to move this. And I'm telling you, this had such massive roots on it, and it had so many sections to it. It was at least, um, I would say it's 40 four feet across on the bottom and so I had to dig a trench around it and kind of excavate it with my shovel and I just kept working I just thought I can do this and and I finally got to the where I could pry it out and I sectioned it up and now I have it in a water barrel and I'm going to plant it when I get home today okay but it if you've got something and it's always getting too big and you find yourself pruning it back you best move it because it doesn't do the plant any good or the natural shape you know if you can get out there or have someone help you you can still you can move things and just keep things watered now and of course improve the soil before you put it in but and also with the weeds that I've removed where I've found weeds uh, in my um, different in my grasses and that I've replanted them and I have new grass Wonderful. The main thing is, until it germinates, get out there and water Water, every day. Yeah, you have to do that. And it's been dry. It dries out really fast. And I've been using cut grass to cover this with because you don't want the birds to come in and eat the seeds. Right. So lots of things that you can do. Uh, One thing I did, Barb, I want to let you know, trumpet vine. Mine took about five years to get established. And this year it was huge and beautiful. And now it's starting to spread like crazy. I dug the dang thing out, and it has a deep, deep, deep tap root because it's on the side of the house. Sure. And I've read about those trumpet vines. You know, for for a while, it was just this wimpy little thing, and I'm like, ah, it's not going to bother. But it says they take a long time to get established. It's next to the house. They go up under the the um, the siding, uh, yeah, siding and things, and they wreck sure. it. So I just dug it out, Barb. Yeah. It's like, you know, I would never recommend anybody planting that unless you had like a big windmill or something yeah. out in the country. You wanted to disguise that or do something or an electric pole or something. But that is a plant that's very hard to manage. This was the first year it bloomed. I'm like, oh, pretty blooms. And then I'm like, mm, it's going to, it started to get everywhere. So anyhow. All right. Thank you, Barb. It's always great to chat with you. We will uh, have a great weekend because it's a yeah. lot of joy the weather while it's here. Thanks, Karen. Appreciate thank you. it. All right, it is two minutes past 10. You're listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSG Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin, online at kmsu.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato. Big ideas and real world thinking. In a few news headlines this morning, Minnesota lawmakers are returning to the Capitol on Monday for their fifth special session of the year. Governor Tim Waltz announced the special session Wednesday as he declared his intention to extend peacetime emergency that he declared at the start of the pandemic by another 30 days. The governor is required to call lawmakers back each time he extends the emergency powers that he's used to respond to the pandemic. Most recent special sessions have been unproductive. Waltz says there's a chance lawmakers could pass a bonding bill Monday, but that package is likely dead if they don't. And in other news headlines, Minnesota has loosened some bar rules put in place for the coronavirus. Minnesota health officials are reporting the second highest number of daily COVID-19 hospital admissions, and that's at the same day the state loosened regulations in bars and restaurants. 
Updated guidelines released Thursday by the Minnesota Department of Health allow as many as 10 people seated together in restaurants and event spaces. That's up from four or six if they were members of a single household. Live music will now be allowed inside establishments large enough to accommodate social distancing. Dancing and karaoke are still prohibited. Thursday's health department update showed 98 new hospital admissions, the highest total since May. Average hospitalizations are their highest at their highest point since June. And Minnesota's pheasant season is opening this weekend. The Minnesota pheasant hunting season begins Saturday morning, 9 a.m. The DNR says the annual roadside pheasant index is up this year. Last year it was 37.6 birds and this year it's 53.5 birds. So they're up significantly from actually from the last couple of years. All pheasant hunters must wear at least one visible article of clothing above the waist that is blaze orange or pink. So be careful out there. I've got some more music for you coming up.